Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. I hope that if you're here this morning, that in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, your soul, and your body, there is a desire to please God. Amen. You know that's why He made us for His good pleasure? Amen. He made us for His good pleasure, and any human being that spends their life uh, in service to themselves and in the desire to serve and please themselves are failing to fulfill the meaning of their creation. The purpose of your birth was to please God. Amen. He made us in His image. His desire is that our lives would be a reflection of Him and that we praise Him with our lives and with our voice and our lips. Amen. And that in our lives, He would be glorified. That He would be pleased. That's why the goal of every Christian should be that one day when we stand before Him, that we hear those words, enter in thou good and faithful servant. Amen. That, that those would be His words of, of pleasing, that we've pleased Him. That's my desire. That's my desire for this church, is that this church would be a church that is pleasing to God, that ev- and not just as a, an organization, but that every individual in our church would take on a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. Amen. That we would praise Him that He would be glorified, that He would be lifted up. Amen. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for coming uh, to Calvary Road Baptist Church. It is still uh, somewhat awe-inspiring that God has allowed me to become the pastor of this church. And when I say that, I want to make it very clear. It is my great privilege to serve the Lord in any capacity. But for him to call me to this church as your under-shepherd is the most humbling thing outside of maybe being a father that the Lord has ever allowed me to do. It is humbling and terrifying, if I can just be frank, that God would trust me to be the the mouthpiece of the Lord in preaching to you His Word and trying to lead you as the under-shepherd of the head-shepherd, which is Christ, That is a daunting task. And I remember being a young man, you know, 16, when I was called to preach when I was 14, and and as a young guy, I began going to teen camps more and and getting more involved. And I remember thinking as a young, dumb teen, amen, that God was going to just make me a pastor and I was going to be this, you know, I was going to be like this guy that there was a preacher and this guy and I was going to have the, you know, all the... The, the glory, if, I mean, let's just be honest of what it is, that, that in my mind came with that. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to be that one day. And, and the Lord changed my path. And He put me in ministry. But it was always as a, as a servant, and working with youth, and being in this place and that place. And, 
And the Lord took me through a long path of learning that it's not about me. It's not about you. And it's not about my glory. It's about His glory. And it's not about the church's glory. It's about His glory. And that if we are going to have a fulfilled Christian life, if we're going to achieve what the Lord wants us to achieve, it is only going to be done if we hold Him up as first. Amen. And as soon as the Lord called us here to this church and the Lord uh, led the church in agreement with us to, to, to bring us in and the Lord brought us together, I began to pray for a vision for this church. And I believe that a vision is something that grows and changes over time. I believe that God renews our vision constantly. But I began to look at things, especially as the whole world began to look at December 31st like a finish line that they just had to reach. Amen? I mean, that's how the world was looking at December 31st, 2020. If we can just get past midnight, then we'll, be, we'll make it. We'll be okay. And the truth is, that's just perception. Nothing really changed the morning of January 1st. But as I began to look in my Bible and I began to pray and ask the Lord for leadership of, of some way, some, some unifying theme, if you want to call it that, some message of vision uh, that the Lord wants us to have, because as I've already preached in this church, where there is no vision, the people perish. There has to be something that we are going toward. The Christian life is only meant to look back for the, for the purpose of learning. The Christian life is only meant to look back for the purpose of learning. In fact, we don't even live looking back. Sure, we look back at the cross and, and at the gospel, but from the time that we get saved, we no longer spend all our time looking back. We remember it and let it stir us up, but we look forward unto the blessed hope. Our job, our, our goal, if you will, is to go forward. And on Sunday nights, we've been going through the book of Philippians and how that Paul is speaking to that church at Philippi as a growing church that is going forward in the work of God and that God wants to use. And can I say this morning that God wants our church to be used? Let me say it differently. God wants to use us. He wants to use me. He wants to use you. Now, He wants to use me. And if I'm the pastor of this church, uh, then I understand the great responsibility on leadership in the Word of God. Amen. But God doesn't just want to use me. He equally, if not more so, wants to use you. In fact, my job is for God to use me to help you. Amen. My job is for God to use me to lead you so that He can use you better. Amen. That, if I'm doing that, if I'm leading you to Christ, and I'm leading you to the Word of God, then I'm fulfilling my job. God wants to use you. And the vision this morning, and we've got this, this nice banner dwelling together in unity, and we're going to go to Psalm 133, but I want to say something very clearly before we, before we jump right into it. This is not my vision. If I have a vision, and it's mine, it's worthless. I might as well just go become a motivational speaker. Can I say, there are a lot of motivational speakers disguised as preachers. But if I'm just going to tell you my thoughts and my plans and my ideas and all that, who cares? 
I mean, I'm not saying you ought not have some ambition and some drive, but that is not worth anything. It's only of eternal value if God is in it. And I can tell you this morning, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to try and preach an expository message bit by bit. The Bible says here a little and there a little from three verses in Psalm 133. And my prayer and my goal through preaching this to you is that the vision that God has laid on my heart, He will also lay on your heart. Amen. If the vision is not on all of our hearts, then the message is we can't accomplish it. A house divided against itself. We can't have that. We can't have it. We don't have to agree on every single little thing in life. You don't have to be a UK fan to be a Christian. Amen. You don't have to be a U of L fan. You don't have to be any of those things. But what we do have to be is in unity with the Word of God. So let's look at that, because what I'm going to preach on this morning, and, and I had a plan this morning as I, I got up early and, and prayed, and I've been praying and looking and, and trying, and I, I thought I had everything kind of lined out uh, halfway through this week, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape, and we had a lot going on over the weekend, and the Lord gave me the opportunity to preach to the young people Friday night, and the Lord helped me and blessed us, and uh, it was all great, but, you know, I've, just, I've had this burden on my heart for months. If I can be honest, the Lord has been, been really just establishing it in my heart. And what the Lord has shown me that we need, and it is, it's the avenue by which everything gets done in the church, is here in Psalm 133 and verse 1. And this morning what I'm going to do is I'm just going to preach. I'm just going to give you the Word of God. Because there's nothing I could give you of more value than that. Now tonight, my plan, we're going to take a break from Philippians. We finished chapter 2 last Sunday. My plan tonight is to be uh, a little more specific. Uh, tonight, I'm going to take you through some specifics of what I believe our church can do to grow scripturally and spiritually. In fact, I'm going to go through every ministry that our church has and every ministry that I believe our church wants and needs and should have. And I'm going to speak to you about my vision that the Lord has shown me through prayer and what I think we should all get on the same page about. And I'm going to preach to you tonight to give you some scripture. But I'm going to get into all that minutiae and details in tonight's message. So if you can, please come back and be with us tonight. But this morning, I want to give you the Word of God. Because the vision is God's. And if the first place you go is not the Word of God, you're starting off on the wrong foot. Amen? So let's look in Psalm chapter 133. We'll read just these three short verses together, and then we'll have prayer, and we'll ask the Lord to bless the message. Let's all stand together, if you would, just for three short verses here in Psalm 133. The Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for another day to come to your house. God, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Lord, how that we have heard the songs of Zion. Lord, thank you, God, 
for that fountain, Lord, that ever flows for us. Thank you, God, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for calling us by your marvelous grace into a marvelous light, Lord, by which we could be brought into a place of mercy and grace. Lord, thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for this church, Lord, and these people, this congregation of the children of God who've come together, Lord, this morning uh, under one roof to be together in the service and in the Spirit. And I pray now, God, if you would, please. Lord, please, God, anoint me with your Spirit, God, this morning. God, give me unction and power of the Holy Ghost and understanding of the Scriptures, God, to present your Word in a way, God, that it would be mixed in our hearts, Lord, that like those priests of the Old Testament had the blood-tipped ear, God, that you would give us an ear, God, to hear the words of God. Lord, that you'd give us a Spirit-filled heart today, Lord, that we would hear these words. And God, that we would be moved toward you and brought together, Lord, in the direction that you want us to go. Or we need you. We can do nothing without you. We love you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'm going to preach on the topic of the theme and the vision that the Lord has laid on my heart and that I want the Lord and I've asked the Lord to lay on yours. And that comes from Psalm 133 and verse number 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I'm not going to spend much time in in the way of introduction, but I will say this. When it says brethren, that's you. Amen. Well, let me clarify. Are you saved this morning? Are you saved this morning? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt this morning that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Do you know that the Lord Jesus is your Savior, and that the Holy Spirit lives inside your heart Then your brethren. We're a family. The family of God. You are my brother, and I'm your sister. I'm sorry, you're my sister. I'm your brother. I'm not your sister. You're my brother, and you're my sister. I'm your brother, and only your brother. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, and here in a little while, what we're going to do is we're going to have supper together. And we're going to remember and we're going to observe our Father, our Savior, our King and our Lord as a family, much like that old lame dog Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, and how that David called him to him and brought him into his household and he was lame on his feet and he was a cripple and he was a lesser person of society. But when he sat at the king's table, he looked just like all the king's sons. Like he was just like everybody else. And you know that's me, just an old lame dog with nothing to claim and no goodness, no qualities in me that God would want me, and yet He's brought me into His family. And now that I'm saved, I'm a part of the brethren. Amen. I'm right there with the Apostle Paul. Amen. With, with, with John the Beloved. I'm right there with the great men like D.L. Moody and these men who came before us and preached the Word of God and did great works of God. You and I, at the King's table, we look just like the best. Because we're family. We're brothers and sisters. And God hates discord amongst the brethren. And the Bible says that, teaches us that this, this does God hate. These things does God hate. Discord amongst the brethren. It makes Him sick. In fact, you'll find out in the Old Testament as God called the Israelites forth and He brought them out of Egypt and He brought them together again as brethren, as a nation, a holy nation, the children of Israel, that most of the time, 
when God would get angry and he would send uh, trouble and he would send uh, plagues or whatever, uh, judgment to those people, it was because of discord between them and the men that God put there to lead them or between one another when them like Korah tried to raise up and, and start a rebellion. And, and God would get angry because his desire was for them to love him and to love each other. Amen. Jesus even went as far as to tell us that all the law and the prophets, all the law and all the prophets and everything we need to know and everything we need to learn hang on these two commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. God is pleased with unity. In fact, let me say it like this. We're given here in this verse a succinct presentation on the sort of congregation, the sort of group of people that invites the blessings and presence of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been saved, the Holy Spirit lives within you. But when God is pleased and when God is working, His Holy Spirit is the avenue by which He works. That precious Holy Ghost that that comes into the service, like Brother Joe was talking about last Sunday morning in here, when the church began in unity to worship the Lord, and people came and got down on the altar, and maybe it had been the first time you'd done it in a long time, because the Holy Ghost breathed through here, and people began to worship the Lord with hands raised. And you know what there was not? Disunity. There was one Spirit in the place, and it was the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when the church gets in unity in the Spirit, the Lord has free reign and liberty to move. And if we want a vision from God, we want a vision of... And so what is a vision? Well, really what it is, is it's looking forward to what we want God to do with us. Amen. We want God to take us and do something with us. We want to use us. And if we want that, He is going to do it through His Spirit. He's going to send... His Spirit through us. That's what He's going to do. Amen. God is not going to give His Spirit a blessing on a church that is not in unity. In fact, this passage tells us pretty clearly, and we'll get down through it, that in order for us to go forward, in order for us to be a growing church and a glowing church, like we've talked about in our, in our messages from the book of Philippians so far, in order for us to go out and, and God to grow this church and, and to build us up and edify us in the Spirit, we've got to have unity. Everything that I believe God wants us to do this year and every year after requires the unity of the church. First, let's talk about the sweetness of unity. In verse number 1, just to kind of break it down for you, first we see the declaration in the verse. The declaration is this. Behold. That word behold, it's an attention getter. It declares the importance of what is about to be said. It's like going, hey! Now some of y'all, I don't know if anybody was looking down, but when I did that, you probably did this. I don't know if my brother did it much when he was preaching last week, but he's got hands the size of those baseball things they give you, and when they come together, a sound wave flies off of it. Don't ever give him a high five. If he ever does this, don't. He's going to try and break your arm. I'm telling you, 
I think he's burst blood vessels in my hand. He goes, and just like a swing. That word behold and that clap, it's an attention getter. And it's saying this, what I'm about to say, don't miss it. It's a declaration that this is important. When I hear that word behold, I'm always reminded of the same verse. The same verse in John chapter 1, verse 29, where it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Do you think that when John the Baptist said, Behold, that he was saying, Hey, look, this is important? Yes, he was. In fact, he went on to say some of the most important words that have ever been uttered. Behold the Lamb of God. And you know what? The Lamb of God is a sacrifice. And John, all the way back at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he called him the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and they were all still surprised when he became the sacrifice for all sin. Behold, it means listen. Look. Look on this. Hear this. It's important. Don't, don't sleep on this. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't drift. Don't look at your phone. Don't look through your purse. Hear these words. Focus. And I know sometimes it's hard to focus. I was telling one of the, somebody last week we were talking about, I like to sit on the front pew uh, because I'm spiritual. No, I'm just kidding. The reason I like to sit on the front pew is because if I don't, I'm like a, I'm like a rabbit. I'm just looking everywhere. I can't hardly pay attention. And I, uh, maybe I'm ADD. I don't know. Undiagnosed. But I'll tell you this. If I, don't, if I like to sit up front because then there's not so much things to distract me because I'm like a dog, a squirrel dog, just looking around just everywhere, and I've got to rein my mind in and focus. Well, this morning, the verse is saying very clearly, pay attention. To what? We see the, the declaration in the verse, then we see the description in the verse. It says this, how good and how pleasant it is. How good and how pleasant it is. That word good, y'all know what the word good means. Something that is good is something, something that's described as good is something that is strong, it's valid, it's sufficient, amen. The blood of Jesus is good, amen. The Holy Spirit is good. The Word of God is good. It's strong, it's sufficient. You know, it's like when, when someone says to you, hey brother, good job. You know what it means? means you did a good, strong, sufficient, valid work. Amen. We don't like it when they say, eh, that's an okay job. <laughs> we want to hear good job. That's why we want to hear, enter in thou good and faithful servant. How good, how pleasant. That word pleasant, it's described something that is pleasing. Amen. Something that brings joy or cheer. Something that is agreeable. And what the writer David here is saying is this, it is good and strong and sufficient and pleasant, pleasing to God and agreeable to God. What I'm about to tell you is something God loves. It pleases Him. It brings a smile to His face. You know what doesn't bring a smile to my face? When I pick up my daughter Peyton to give her a hug and she shrieks like I'm stabbing her. Amen? That doesn't bring me joy. It makes me sad. It gives me a frown. when she won't, I'm give, I just want a hug. I just want you to love me. Please love me. 
daughter. You know, we brought you into this world, so love me, please. And I just want that love and that adoration. And, and when she rejects me, it doesn't please me. Man, when she wraps her arms around my neck and squeezes and gives me a kiss on the cheek and says, I love you, Daddy. No Brooke comes in, she sweeps me up in the dustpan because I'm just a puddle on the floor. Because it, oh, it pleases me. It's good and pleasant. And did you know that God, our Father, the one who loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for him, for us, I'm sorry, who was the only one who has always pleased him, who has never let him down, who has never hurt him, never disappointed in him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Never disappointed. Never hurt. And that man died on a cross, murdered by the ones who were constantly displeasing him. And then through that sacrifice and that blood on the cross, God, seeing his son for us, has forgiven us. Has reconciled us to him. That we who were once separated from God, not a people, can now be a people who had not obtained mercy, have now obtained mercy, the Bible teaches us, and we can be pleasing to God. And when my daughter hugs me around the neck and she gives me a kiss, it is good and it is pleasant. And when God looks down at us, we see the declaration and the description in the verse, then we see the dwelling in the verse. It is very clearly stated, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. That word unity, it implies that we're all on the same page. Amen. It's unification. It's being united. It's a state of being united or joined as a whole. It's forming a complete, the Bible calls it, fitly joined together. We're together, and we are not against one another. We're not arguing. We're not fighting. We're not going in different directions. We're not angry and pointing fingers. And we're not saying bad things behind closed doors. But we love each other. And not only do we love each other, and not only do we love each other today, but we're dwelling together in unity. And if we're doing that, then we are pleasing God. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, who is that? That's us. Who is the brethren? We are. It's us. We are the brethren. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. You know what that means? That we are of the same mind. Paul said like this in Philippians, I preached on it recently, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know what our mind is to be, what our judgment is to be, what our dwelling is to be? It is to be in Christ. Concerning this idea of the dwelling, in the verse we see the time of the dwelling. You know what the word dwelling means? To dwell means... To remain. To stay. It means to settle down. 
settle in. To remain as a permanent resident. Amen. Now, we are not permanent residents of this world. But we are to be permanent residents of the church. Of the brethren. And not only are we to be permanent residents, it implies saying this, we don't just come in, stay for a while, do our thing and move on. We don't just come in, stay for a while until someone makes us mad and then we leave. We don't just come in, stay for a while until the preacher says something that you don't like or, or that, that you know, gets down your row or, or something goes on that you're just not sure about or, or you don't like the direction that the preacher's leading or, or that the church is going or, or you don't like that person being in Sunday school as a teacher or you don't like this or you don't like that. It means you settle in. You join up. The verse said, perfectly joined together. That word perfectly joins together implies that if you look at it from a distance, there's no seams. Can I say it again? If you look at it from a distance, there's no seams. And in fact, when you get up close, they should be hard to find. Perfectly joined together like a puzzle piece where every, puzzle, every piece is in its place. Amen. I didn't mean for that to you know, be so weird to say, but it came out that way. That everything comes together, and when it's done, it looks perfect. That doesn't mean there's no flaws. It means that everything is where it's supposed to be. That's what it means to dwell together in unity. It is a time of dwelling together. That is to say that the unity of the brethren should not be something that we visit occasionally. It's something that we should have all the time. That every individual member of the body of Christ ought to determine in their heart that they'll never be the problem. They will never be the peace out of place. That doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're not talking Nazi Germany. We're not talking you move and bless God. No, 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 no. I'm not making sure every puzzle and every piece is in its place. The piece is on. You are. And you know what place that is? Dwelling together in unity according to God's word. God is always for unity in His church. He is never for discord. Our Bible tells us plainly, these things that God hates, discord, He that soweth discord amongst the brethren. Amen. The time of dwelling together. The trial of dwelling together. Ephesians chapter 1. Turn over there with me. You've got your Bible. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll give you a couple verses here. I didn't start my timer today. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I gave, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, I looked at the wrong verse. Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number 1, Ephesians 4, 1 says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. You know what that word forbearing one another in love means? It means that when people do things, that would make you angry or that would rub you the wrong way or that you don't like, you forbear. You're long-suffering. Why? Because you love them. Because you love them. Verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, look at it, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, with lowliness and meekness. You know when the problem comes in that breaks up the unity? 
when lowliness and meekness go out the window and pride comes in. Here's what my Bible tells me. I, I, I can't give you the reference. I can find it in two seconds if you need me to. It's in the book of Proverbs. It says this. Only by pride cometh contention. A breaking of unity within the church is always 100% of the time because of pride. Only by pride cometh contention. Only. You say, well, no, it was because of this, and it was because of that, sure. But the reason you broke fellowship and the reason that you, it became a problem was because of the pride that got in the way. I know that's hard, isn't it? But you know what God wants? Unity. And here's what verse 3 says. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what that word endeavoring is? It's an undertaking. That means it does not happen by accident. And it doesn't just happen, unity. Unity because we are flawed and because we make mistakes and because I say dumb things and you say dumb things that we should, amen, amen, that we shouldn't say. And we pop off at somebody or we're sarcastic or we have a hateful spirit, or we get up and do something, or when someone gives us criticism, we can't take it. And all these little things, they happen. And these are the matters of life. Unfortunately, they come along with a curse of sin. They're just, just the way things are. People do things, and people make mistakes. But we are to endeavor to keep the unity. You know what it means to endeavor? It means this, to try hard to achieve something. It's not easy to be lowly. It's not easy to be long-suffering. Can you say amen? It's not easy to be patient. And it's not easy to forgive. And it's not easy to forbear. But if we want God, we have to. If we want the Spirit of God, and we want to go forward, and God to grow our church, and to build us up in the Spirit, then we have to endeavor to keep the unity. We have to endeavor to keep the unity. And not just today, but every day. When there is a dispute, the goal should always be in the heart of a child of God to resolve it. Not to get your way and not to get them or for them to get theirs, but to resolve it to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. That's why Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, because that's what we have to have. Peace in the church. Peace. Unity. Are we in the Bible? Are we in the, are we in the Word of God? And is the Word of God telling us that, there's, that God loves unity? Can we see that? So we see the sweetness of unity. In the eyes of God, nothing sweeter than looking down and seeing His children loving one another, serving God one another. And when He sees it, you know what He wants to do? Bless it. Let's look at the second part, the source of unity. In verse number 2, let me hurry. Verse 2 says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. David here uses a simile 
to compare the quality of unity to the oil running down the beard of Aaron. This takes place in the book of Exodus uh, in chapter number 30, verses 20 through 38. I'm not going to go and read all of them to you for the sake of time. But in these verses, we have the the Lord is giving the law of Moses uh, there to Moses and to Aaron and to his sons. And he's teaching them how that they were to go in when they were going to go into the temple and do sacrifices, that they had to anoint themselves with the oil, the precious ointment. So let's look at the types in the verse. It is like the precious ointment upon his head. What is? Unity. It is unity. It is unity. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. The dwelling of unity is like the precious ointment. We see it's a type first of sanctification. If you go and read those verses, you'll find that the Lord was telling them that if they did not put this oil on themselves to consecrate themselves to the work, it says, that they would have sin and they would not be clean to go in and to do the work of the priesthood. The ointment, the unity, is a type of consecration. It makes us clean in the eyes of God. God looks down on people, and when He sees disunity, it angers Him. It upsets Him, and it upsets the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it that we can grieve Him. That's what it does. It grieves Him. Like a parent who sees children that can't get along, and it seems like they just can't stand to be in the same room together, and that it will grieve the heart of a parent. So God and the Holy Ghost that lives in us, by whom He uses to do the work of God and to bless us and to go forward in our vision, He is grieved when He sees disunity amongst the brethren. It's sanctification. It, it cleans us in the eyes of the Spirit, and it gets us. I can say this clearly. It's impossible to live a clean life, a clean Holy lifestyle without unity in your heart toward the brethren. Y'all probably heard people say, well, me and Jesus, we've got our own thing going. I don't need the church, and I don't need this, and blah, blah. God don't like that. No, I know, because it's good and pleasant for the the children, the brethren, to dwell together in unity. God doesn't want you on an island. He wants you in his church. One body in Christ, which Christ is the head. Ephesians chapter 4. I mean, we're going to look at some more of that here in a second, how that God wants us together. It's a type of sanctification. It's a type of selection. When Aaron and his children, his sons, would go and apply that oil, it was setting them apart. It was making them different from anybody else. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes into us and He goes on us, it shows us that God is calling us out. Amen. God is calling us out for a work, marking us for His service. God It's not going to use someone who cannot work well with others. You ever fill out a job application, you got Mark, works well with others? That is an absolute necessity in the work of God. Whether you're naturally inclined to be an extrovert or an introvert, doesn't matter. When it comes to the things of God and the people of God, we are one people and one brethren, and we have to be able to dwell together in unity. The type We see the type of sanctification, it's the type of, of selection, the anointing, that we need the Spirit of God to rest on us, and that He's not going to do that when people refuse to set themselves apart for the work of God. It's also a type of the Spirit. Oil throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is almost always a type of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, we see that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David him in the midst of his brethren, and this is what it says, he anointed him, The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The oil that is on Aaron's head that's running down, it is the Spirit. 
Dwelling together in unity is compared to the presence of the Spirit of God. Why do you think that is? What did I tell you at the beginning of the message? If we have a vision and we want to go forward, you know what we've got to have? The Spirit. God is only going to do it through the Spirit. He's not going to do it with my talent. (laughs) He's not going to do it with your talent. He's not going to do it with my propensity for talking to people and, and being a good speaker and being, you know, handsome like I obviously am not. Or being tall or short or smart or, or wealthy. None of those things matter in the eyes of God. What matters in the eyes of God is a vessel that is willing to dwell with the other vessels and be filled with the Spirit. You know why David took down Goliath? Because of the anointing in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And the Spirit of God was with him from that day forward. That's why you really think that little old shepherd boy took down a lion and a bear because he was just cool and good? No, it's because he had God on him. And if we want to do something for God, that's what we need. We need the Spirit on us and in us. And you want to run the the Holy Spirit out of here? Get rid of the unity. Bring in the division. Bring in the arguing, the backbiting, and the talking, and the tearing down. And the Spirit of God will lead. He'll lead. Y'all probably thought this was going to be an uplifting message this morning, didn't you? The types in the verse. The type of sanctification of selection in the Spirit. The totality in the verse. Here's what he says. It's like the precious ointment on his head, but then it ran down upon the beard and then went down to the skirts of his garment. Covered his whole body. Covered him. He didn't have a touch. They dumped a bucket on his head. I mean, he was covered, anointed, flowing down with this presence of the Holy Spirit. It didn't just touch his head. It ran down through the beard and the skirts. And if you want anointing in your life, then you're going to have to be in total unity. Then you can have total anointing. Well, I'll be here, but bless God, I don't like it. That's not unity. That's just a time bomb. No, you're going to have to let it, you're going to have to let it go all the way down. Sometimes that's hard. Can I tell you in ministry, there's been plenty of times that somebody did something and I'm just going to be real, I thought somebody needs to go slap them, you know, amen. What they said, what are they thinking? What are they doing? What, how, what, why would they do that? Are they crazy? What's wrong with them? But you know what I didn't do? Go slap them. Amen. You know what you need to do? Pray for them. Love them. Go to them. As Paul said in Galatians, ye that are spiritual, go. Restore such a one. Restore them restoring. Say, well, you don't know what they said about me and my family and and they're a devil. Well, you know what? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe God's just thrown a trial in your life and what He wants is for you to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And maybe when it's all said and done, they'll leave. And they don't want to be a part. And they'll refuse that unity. But it better not be because of you. It better not be because of me. Because then God will be displeased not with just them, but with you. That's why Jesus told them in the New Testament when they asked Him about forgiving a brother, He said, when a brother has offended you, you go to them and make the peace. 
You don't say, well, if they want to make it right, they'll come and apologize to me. Well, that's fine, but that's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said you go to them, and if they won't receive you to restore them, then you go get a couple brethren, a couple witnesses, and all of you go to them, and you try to restore it. And if they won't hear them, then you can bring it before the whole church. And if they won't hear the whole church, then you've done everything you can. And if they want to leave and they're going to go on, let them go on. Because you've done everything you can to try and restore them. That's endeavoring to keep the spirit of peace. That's endeavoring to keep the unity in the spirit of bond of peace. That's endeavoring. It's hard. It's work. Amen. It's hard, isn't it? When somebody makes you mad, and somebody talks about you and yours, and somebody drags your name through the dirt to think, I love them. God help them. Tough. Good fun preaching. Amen. The totality in the verse. Ephesians chapter 4, I wasn't expecting an amen when I said it. Be Ephesians chapter 4, let me read the rest of these verses here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. This is after where he tells us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Verse 4 says this. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. You've been saved. You're one body, one spirit, and you got one hope. You're not your clique over here and your sect over there and your group over there. You're one, and you got to work as one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. You know what that tells me? A bunch of crazy weirdos like me and you who, let's be honest, if we just met each other in the street, you probably wouldn't want to talk to me. We may not have that much in common. Thank you, Brother Dennis. I appreciate your honesty. Amen. You wouldn't want to come up to me and you wouldn't think, oh, man, that Brother Paul, he's just a great guy. But you know what's happened? The Lord's in you and the Lord's in me. And you know what he's done? He's brought people together like me and you, Brother Tim, Brother Sam, some of you ladies in here today, Miss Devonna, amen. Amen. Brought us together, sis. I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for the Lord, that never would have happened. Hallelujah. Because me and you, you know what we are? Different. Just like I'm different from my wife right there. I can tell you right now, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be married to that girl right there. The Lord did a work in our heart and brought us together at a time when we couldn't stand each other. Hey, man, I'm just being honest with you. Ain't that right, honey? Yeah, nod your head. Don't say nothing. She couldn't stand me, and I didn't really like her either. But the Lord did a work in our heart, and I said, I won't marry her. She said, if the Lord told me I'd die single. Been married 10 years, got two children, and the Lord showed us, well, you just don't know nothing, do you? Smart aleck, dummy. Why don't you just love people like you're supposed to? And gave me a good wife and a blessed life. You know what happened? God brought us together. Because there's only one God, and He's in us all and through us all. So how can I have a spirit of peace and unity with them. Jesus. You think Peter was easy to get along with? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Peter was easy to get along with. In fact, I don't think Paul was easy to get along with. But you know what happened? The Lord moved in them. And the Lord brought them together, and there was a totality of, of, uh, of unity that spread through the body of Christ, and that is what keeps us together. Are you all still with me this morning? I'm going to hurry. The transference in the verse... It starts on his head, and then it begins to spread. Amen? Our head is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he is the head of the church. The under-shepherd is just the next thing down that he uses to reach the church. And say like this, the spirit should start with leadership. 
Can I say it like that? Amen. The spirit of peace and unity should start with leadership. The pastor and everyone that's involved in any amount of leadership in the church should be in unity with each other and with the congregation. Peter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, listen, but being in samples to the flock. How can we teach unity and preach unity when we don't have it? God needs the pastor, and the deacon, and the Sunday school teachers, and the, tur- the trustees, and the ministry leaders, all in unity. If we can't be in unity, God's not going to bless our church. Do you want God to bless this church? Do you want God to bless this church? Do you want God to bless your home? God can't bless a home where the husband and the wife aren't in unity. It's a struggle, and, and there's a constant battle in the home, isn't there? Some of you could testify to the, the struggles of life that when, when bitterness or anger or, or trouble gets into the home, that it causes a wedge and a trouble. It's the same way in the church. We're a family. When the children and the parents and the children rebel against God and the parents are grieved, amen, it causes, it causes grief and disunity. And God struggles to... Take you where He wants you to be because you just can't be together. Amen? Finally, we see the supply of unity. Verse 3. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity is like fresh dew on the mountains of Zion. I don't know about y'all, that makes me thirsty. I'm going to have a drink of this water. You know where the children of Israel spent most of their time before they reached the land of Canaan was a dry, lifeless desert. But there on that Mount of Hermon, it said that it was, it was like it rained every morning. There was so much water. And it was refreshing. The mountains of Zion. You know what a psalm is? A song. David sang this. And when he sang about the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended on the mountain, it was refreshing. It was sweet. It was good. That's what unity is. It's a refreshing supply. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You know what Paul said was refreshing to him as their pastor? Knowing that they were in unity, of one mind, of one accord, like-minded. He said, you fulfill my joy. I, I, I I won't fret so much about this and that if I just know that we're all in unity. I'll know that God's going to help you. It's a refreshing supply. 
Refreshing water in the place of a dry desert wilderness. In a world where every man, it seems, is against his brother. And every man is out for him and his and will, st- will steal, lie, cheat, do whatever they got to do to get what they want. How refreshing it is to come into a place where because of one God and one faith and one baptism, we can be together. And you don't have to worry when someone comes to you and they talk to you about something that, that they're out to get you. Or they're trying to take advantage of you. But you can trust that they love you and that they want what's best for you. You know why? Because we're family. And that God will bless them, that it's refreshing to know that we have a place where we can come, where God is and where the people of God are, and we can love each other, not as the Pharisees who spoke words of great religion, but inside were dry and full of dead men's bones, the Bible says. The refreshing supply. Then we see the requirements of supply. Here's what he says. That this unity, it's like the dew of Hermon is the dew that descended on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. The metaphor is quite clear. God sends blessings to unity. God blesses the unity of His children. How good and how pleasant it is. And when God sees it, He commands the blessing. He commands the blessing. He commands the blessing. The blessings of God do not happen by accident. He commands the blessings. You want God to bless your church? I've asked you. You want God to bless your church? You want God to bless your home? Amen. Then you're going to have to dwell in unity. The unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. Unity with the Word of God. Unity with the pulpit. and Unity with the pew. Unity, togetherness. You're going to have to have that. But the Jason, I think it was, asked me this morning if I was going to talk about the, the unity you know, that's, that they're talking about in politics right now. No. I'm talking about the unity of the Spirit. I'm talking about real unity. Seems like most of the time what they've got when they talk about unity is, like I said, it's their way to get what they want. The unity I'm talking about, you know what it is? Supernatural. It's something that cannot happen without the anointing. There's a reason we get to the anointing before we get to the blessing. God sends His Spirit. He does the work in us, preparing us for the work. And then He blesses. Amen. And we've got to have that. We've got to have the Spirit. And we've got to have the blessings. If we want to do anything for God, if we're not going to have unity, we might as well close our door. We might as well close our doors. If we're going to come in on Sunday morning and use that love-famed, Bible calls it, Smile, hug, shake hands. Good to see you this morning in your heart. You're thinking, you dog. You've got to get your heart right. Not, not they got to get their heart right. You. Well, they're the one that were wrong. Well, okay. But you're the one that's got to, you're the one that's got to endeavor for unity. In Galatians 5, when he tells what he says is, ye that are spiritual. You know who's spiritual? Those that have the Holy Spirit. Those that not only have the Holy Spirit and salvation, but those who have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and live a spiritual lifestyle, they're spiritual. Ye that are spiritual, go. 
restore such a one. You say, well, they're wrong, and they, they've upset, or they've done this, or they've done that. Okay, great, fine. Endeavor to keep the unity in the spirit of the bond of peace. You, get your heart right with God. Get your heart right with God. And I'll get my heart right with God. And if we can get our hearts right with God and start working at unity, and I'm not saying that we've got a bunch of disunity in our church. I don't believe we do. I believe God's blessed us and He's bringing us together, but I can tell you this, it's just around the corner when Satan is going to try to build a root of bitterness in somebody's heart, almost always over some small petty thing, it starts, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And if we're not working hard to keep the unity, then God, God can't bless us. And He's not going to command the blessing down on us when we have pride and disunity. I draw threads all over the place if you'd like. Only by pride cometh contention. Bible tells us that God gives more grace to the humble, but what's He do to the proud? He resists them. God's not going to give grace to the prideful. And if you've got bitterness and anger in your heart, then you're going to be finding yourself in a lack of grace. And we need more grace so we can keep the unity. Are you seeing it? Brother Paul, I want to see God bless this church and I want to see revival come to this area and I want to feel the Spirit of God move in the church and, and I want to do this and I want to see God do that. Amen, me too. And I hope that's your vision. But can I tell you this morning, it'll only come if we dwell together in unity. The renewing applies. said this, there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. We could just get together in unity. Stay there. God will never stop blessing. Amen? Renew and renew and renew. There is no, look at me, I'm almost done. There's no telling. My wife would say, it's untelling. Makes no sense. What God could do with this church in this area, are you kidding me? In this area? What God could do with you? What the Lord could make out of your life. You say, oh, Brother Paul, I've, gone, I've done too much, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I'm too this, or I'm too that. Yeah, tell that to Moses. Tell that to Caleb at 85, marching on a mountain and taking God's inheritance. Amen. Tell it to David, a little boy with a sling and just a few smooth stones going out there and taking down a man that no one in Israel would even stand up to, the greatest warrior in all the land. Tell it to them. Tell it to them who saw firsthand how the Spirit of God took something small and made it miraculous. Amen. Tell it to them. God has no limits. But we limit God in our hearts when we have no unity, we have bitterness, hurt feelings, and anger toward the brethren. What's the theme of 2021? What's our vision for 2021? What's our vision for this church, not just in 2021, but in every year to come, that we maintain unity? That as we grow in the Spirit, and as we grow in understanding of the Word of God, that we do it together. That we abolish cliques and hurt feelings 
backbiting and disputing, vain disputing as the Bible calls it. We abolish it. We won't have it. That I won't have it. That's what you say in your heart. I won't have it in my heart. I won't have it in my home. And that when it creeps in and it sneaks in, you know what you do? You get out on your knees. God, I want to keep the spirit of the bond of peace and unity in my home and in my heart and in our church. And we work together and we march forward. We say, Brother Paul, really? You really think that's going to happen? Amen. Absolutely. All we got to do is just get our hearts right with God. And if we do that, the Bible tells us we can be perfectly joined together. Not perfect, but perfectly joined together. Everything in its place, every piece in its place, and the puzzle looks good, and God can take that, and He can go forward, and there's no telling what God could do. I mean, we would look back and go, wow, what an awesome God. That we'd have to knock down these walls and build a new church. That we would see souls saved and families restored and, and worship, just free worship in the house of God. And, and you know, we, we hear it said a lot. Well, you know, in the good old days, the way things used to be, well, they can be like that today. Well, we just don't see them services like we used to. Well, you weren't where I was Saturday. I saw a guy almost run a human-shaped hole through the back of a wall. I'm here to tell you. You say, well, it just don't go on like that anymore. And it just, no, yeah, it does. Problem is, is the spirit free? Because I'm going to tell you where he's not. Where there's disunity. Preacher Charles Spurgeon, great man of God, said this concerning this chapter. I'll read it to you, and then we're going to have an invitation. Oh, for more of this rare virtue. Not the love which comes and goes, but that which dwells. Not that spirit which separates and secludes, but that which dwells together. Not that mind which is all for debate and difference, but that which dwells together in unity. Never shall we know the full power of the anointing till we are of one heart and of one spirit. Never will the sacred dew of the Spirit descend in all its fullness till we are perfectly joined together in the same mind. Never will the covenanted and commanded blessing come forth from the Lord our God till once again we shall have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Lord, lead us into this most precious spiritual unity for Thy Son's sake. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.